This episode is brought to you by .site domains. If you're looking to build a great website for your business, you can find a short and meaningful domain name on the .site domain extension. To register, visit www.get.site, that's S-I-T-E, and use the code SELFRELIANCE to get up to a 50% discount on your purchase. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance. My guest today is Dr. Sophia Gotkin. She's a health psychologist, happyologist, and happiness relationship and transformation. There's a lot of title in there. Transformational <laughs> coach. She's also the author of the Five Minute Gratitude Journal: Give Thanks, Practice Positivity, Find Joy. So, Sophia, thanks for joining me. Thank you so much for having me, John. And I take full responsibility for you fumbling there in the introduction. It's just all of those titles. It's hard to leave one out that they're all really meaningful to me. So so thanks for that introduction. Well, my longtime listeners know that I just roll with it. I don't I don't do redos. <laughs> so That's wonderful. The, the, I, I can say though that I'm absolutely certain you're the first happyologist I've had on the show. I'm positive of that. I am also positive of that. Yes, because I made up the term. So, <laughs> but but to tell you the truth, I really I kind of wanted to do this for personal reasons. I've got a couple issues to work through today. Is that all right with you? <laughs> oh my gosh! No, totally. You you might be being sarcastic, but I'm. I think sometimes that vulnerability and that sort of in the moment support is is yeah can be really helpful to others so i'll let you decide how we spend our time All right. well I, I would be lying if i didn't say i have a lot of guests on here because i really want to chat with them and hear what they have to say not only to, to record it but it, i get i get as much out of doing these interviews as any listeners that's for sure so tell me a little bit about uh, we're going to get into the five minute gratitude journal um and your work in general but to, give me a, give us a sense of kind of your journey to becoming a happyologist and as we were talking before we got started in Boise, Idaho right now. Yeah, thanks so much for that that question, John. I often joke that I had to get get a PhD in stress management in order to learn how to manage my own stress. And it's it's not a joke. That was my journey. That was the very beginning of my journey of understanding that life could be lived better. Life could be lived in a more harmonious internal state. And it took me being a lot of under a lot of stress and sort of having that internal realization that, oh my gosh, this isn't working out for me and, and what can I do to make it better? So yeah, that that was all going on during my, my PhD journey and life really did provide me with the tools and teachers I needed at the time and that continues to happen and I'm so grateful for it and, and I'm a natural teacher, I'm a natural sharer, I'm a natural writer, I'm a natural coach, so it's only fitting that I, everything I learn, I just want to share with others. So yeah, it took a, a lot of challenges along the way. The challenges don't end we just learn how to relate to them differently. And so, yeah, I, that's a little bit of my journey. I hope that, uh, that's that, that's great. It's so simple to talk about this idea of, of just deciding to be happy because that's really what it ends up being, quite frankly, to some degree. So why is it so hard for people? It seems so simple. Yeah. And yet it's so hard. Absolutely, John. Yeah, it does seem simple and it is hard. And let's let's use what you said there as as a sort of entry point into that. The answer to that, all you have to do is decide to be happy. And there's so much truth in that. You just have to just 
to decide to be happy. But how many people actually have the tools and resources and mental mindset to be able to decide to be happy? So there are many things that prevent us from that decision to be happy, right? Some of us don't think that we can be happy, right? Based on the experiences we've had in our lives, based on the sorts of things that we've lived through. We don't know that life, number one, can be happy. And number two, that we can make a decision to be happy, that there is choice involved there, right? So until we, until either life shows us or we, again, have, have some, some, some experiences that invite us into that, that realization and provide us with the tools to, to exercise that choice and that decision to be happy, we can't make that, we can't make that choice. There is no choice to be made. Yeah. And I think that you, you hit on a point. I think a lot of people have spent a lot of years sort of going the other direction or having people tell them to go the other direction. I, I work with so many entrepreneurs and, and there's so much, there's not only stress in it, there's just a lot of self-doubt and a lot of people telling, you know, I, I had somebody on last week. I, I, I I think, and, and he was supposed to be, his parents said all growing up, he was supposed to be a doctor. He didn't want to be a doctor and felt like for so many years that he had let his parents down, even though on paper, terribly, terribly successful. So I think a lot of people really uh, struggle. That's like the key, one of the keys to unlocking, I'm sure, and people that you work with. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's a great example, John, because sometimes people think that it's trauma or these these really big traumatic experiences that prevent us from being who we really are. But there are so many smaller versions of that 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 prevent us from stepping into our full potential. And what you what you described is just a belief structure, right? A belief structure that exists in our society, that exists in our family and culture. And all of us have that in some way, right? Depending on the culture that we came from. Um, and the society and the specific city and place that, that we grow up in, right? We all have some beliefs that we've been trained to adopt, right? And we until we choose differently, those are the beliefs and the structures that we live with. So yeah, I'm not surprised to hear that the experience that, that this person had because we all have them in some way. And there is hope. There is hope, right? That's the great part about it. There There is hope. There are things that you can do to to help lead yourself in in the direction of, of being more of the decision maker in your own life uh, and being more of that active agent of change. So I want to get into a little bit of that, but I, I have to ask this, calling yourself a happyologist, does, does that ever feel like you have a target on your back? Like if you have a bad day, you're not allowed. <laughs> Oh, another great question, John. I used to feel that way. I used to feel a lot of pressure. But one of the things I say is that happiness is very little about being happy all the time. Actually, if you're trying to be happy all the time, you can't really be happy. Yeah, that's <laughs> so, like that. it's stress, right? Yeah, it's so much stress. <laughs> and so what, what I really encourage people to adopt is, is very genuine and authentic perception of what happiness really is, right? There's a version of happiness that actually doesn't require us to do so much and to be so much and to try so hard. So actually being a happyologist these days to me is a relief, right? Because it, yeah. it just, all it means is that I, I have the tools and resources to relate to life in a different way that allows me to be content no matter what's happening. And, and that's, yeah, yeah, even though the title is so, so strong and fierce, it's a lot about changing the definition of happiness. Yeah. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think, for, well, it's always a, something to work on. To me, I'm 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 most joyful and happy when I'm consciously mindful, which is a pretty simple thing to do, really. <laughs> so I think that that's. Uh, I, I think a lot of the folks I work with, it's worrying about what happened yesterday and worrying about what's going to happen tomorrow that causes the greatest deal of unhappiness. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I'm glad I'm glad to hear that you found you found that that recipe of happiness that works for you. And it's very much about that understanding who we are and and what that little golden nugget is for us. So your book, The Five Minute Gratitude Journal, make the connection between gratitude and happiness. Well, you just made it, John. You, you know, you mentioned the power of uh, mindfulness and being in the present moment. And there's nothing like gratitude that can drop us into that present moment and that realization that what I have right now and where I am right now is enough. It is yeah. perfect, actually. And it is quite good, right? Our mind is drawn to focus on the negative. It's just the inherent bias that our mind has. And so gratitude helps us to sort of what's the word I'm looking for to contrast, right? Or negate that, that bias mm -hmm. that we naturally have. And that's the connection between gratitude and happiness. Once you're in that moment, once you're noticing things to appreciate that are always there, right? It's just, again, a decision or a choice. Do I focus on those things or do I focus on other things that are there that are maybe not so good? And when we focus on, on what's there, some of it being good, right? That's when we're grateful and inherently happy. Yeah, it's amazing how often you can have an amazing day, all kinds of great things happen, life's great, and then like one really bad thing happens and that like spoils it all, doesn't it? <laughs> because no, I choose to focus on. Yeah, you know, it does if we think that, and this is this is the normative sort of sort of thought process is that when bad things happen, it's bad. Yeah. But bad things happening doesn't have to be bad, actually. It, it could just be part of the normal flow of life, which it is. So it's, it's again, more about changing how we perceive and respond to those, those various situations in our lives. Some will be happy, some will be sad, some will cause anger, some will cause frustration, right? And it's, it's how, do I, how do I feel about that and how do I respond to that? So describe the book and, and, and how it's structured and, and, and kind of how you suggest people use it. Thank you for asking, John. So the book is, is the, the, the primary focus of the book is on prompts that encourage gratitude. And I was really actually mindful about the, the creation of these prompts. They're really meant to put you in a state of gratitude, um, not just asking you to list five things that you're grateful for, for, but really to get into that feeling of gratitude because gratitude is an emotion. It's an experience, right? In order for it to be effective, it really has to be that experience. So each of these prompts is designed to really invite you to step into that feeling of gratitude, that experience of gratitude. And the book also contains quotes because folks find them to be really inspiring. And there's nothing better than being inspired by the wisdom of, of leaders who came before us. And we also have affirmations. Now, affirmations are an invitation to, again, notice the positive in your life. Sometimes affirmations are taken out of context and used as a way to sort of sugarcoat situations and, and put rose-colored glasses on. And I always encourage people that if an affirmation doesn't feel natural to you, do not use it, right? Switch it up so that it, it really invites you to be who you are and start where you are. Affirmations are really powerful when they acknowledge and validate where you are now and then invite you to maybe step forward or, or, or step into a goal that you have. So, so I should stop saying I love sit-ups and just let that go. Okay. Probably. If you don't love sit-ups, probably. <laughs> yes. I would encourage you to stop saying that. But you, what you can say is, I don't mind sit-ups and I'm curious to see what, what doing sit-ups will feel like tomorrow morning, right? That feels a little better. My wife and I actually go through the pages together and discuss the prompts. So I think that's, that's a, a legitimate way to use the book, I suggest. 
I love that. I love hearing that, John. Thank you so much. There have been at least a handful of people before you who've let me know that that's what they're doing. And it just brings so much joy to my heart because, again, the very the very same things that allow us to be more content within ourselves allow us and encourage us to be content in our relationships, right? And sharing that ability to notice what's going well with ourselves, with our shared relationship with our partner in the world, in the community, right? All of that just contributes to relationship satisfaction. So I'm so glad to hear that you're using the book that way. Have you ever tried looking for a domain name? Chances are that the first few options you tried were not available. And you're not alone. I mean, over 65% of domain name searches actually fail because, you know, all good domain names are already taken. But that's not necessarily true. In fact, I got myself selfreliance.site, where I talk about my book, The Self-Reliant Entrepreneur, and share content to help people become self-reliant in their entrepreneurial journey. You too can get your very own .site domain for as low as $1.99. Visit www.get.site or click the link in the description on the show notes page. Search for your unique .site domain and use the code SELFRELIANCE to get 50% off your domain purchase. Switching to the lovely that the book is bringing joy and helping lives, but let's switch, let's put the author hat on. The book is also selling extremely well. And do you, this is your first time author. So I'm guessing that you were like, here we go. Let's see if this thing sells. What do you attribute to, do you attribute anything to the success? Thanks for asking that question, John. I think, so the way I look at, sales or or purchases is that people are being receptive and people are receptive when they feel that there is something um, being offered that they need and so that's what i attribute the success to it's it's creating something that i think offers practical skill a practical tool for something that people need help with in their lives, which is, of course, a greater sense of happiness, a greater sense of being able to enjoy life, no matter whether we're in the middle of a, a global pandemic or something else. So, yeah, when I think of success, I think of the right tool at the right time. Yeah, I wonder if not to downplay the success in any shape, but I wonder if the, if there's a sur- sort of a, uh, a renewed searching for this idea of what to be grateful for that's going on a little bit right now. Yeah, that's a great a great point, John. And and it's a curiosity I have as well. Crises tend to inspire that that search in us. And if anything, I think this this latest global crisis that we've that we've had, and in many ways an individual crisis as well, it wouldn't be unlikely to to fathom that that it inspired this this new search for happiness, this new search for maintaining pleasure and maintaining a sense of meaning in life. Let's talk a little bit about the relationship between work and happiness. Uh, there's so many people that, I don't know what the percentage is, let's say 50% of their life, you know, in some some uh, cases is, is spent in work, doing work that either makes them happy or doesn't make them happy or uh, allows them to do something that makes them happy. You work with a lot of individuals that uh, probably come to you as people, but some of their baggage is packed up in their work. Absolutely. Yes. When when we work with, with people, as, as you and I both do, the 
the employee, the colleague, the entrepreneur is the human being, right? There's no separation between the work that I do and who I am in most cases, right? right. As much as we would try to leave work at work, whether right. we're an entrepreneur or, or we work for a corporation, it's rarely how it works, right? We are, in an ideal sense, a whole person, right? And we bring that whole person wherever we go. So yes, it's it's really important to find pleasure in, in our work or to choose work that, that, that can bring us pleasure and a sense of meaning. Because as you mentioned, work is such a big part of our life. And it's, it's interesting, I think that our etymology or the way we use words leads us to think about work and life sort of separately. But again, it, it really isn't. So any decision we make in work affects our life and should, well, should be made together. Mm -hmm. I think it's also the duality. Like, it, am I going to find work that makes me happy or am I happy in the work I'm doing? That's, I think that a lot of people struggle with this. Oh, I have to find this thing that just lights me on fire. And I've, seen a lot of people where it has to find you. <laughs> so I, I think that's a, I think that's a real challenge because I think a lot of people have been sold on this idea that I have to define my purpose and I have to go find this. I have to sit in a room until I decide what I want to be when I grow up. And I, I think that causes as much stress as, as anything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love how you phrase that, John. I think why not let people off the hook? There are people like me who will, who can't uh, live unless they are doing the very thing that they love. <laughs> and yeah. you know, again, that passion is that passion at home at work. It's all the same, but that's only one personality type, one way of being. And there are so many others. So there are plenty of people I work with. Yeah. For whom it's not that important, right? They love numbers. And as long as they're doing numbers, they're happy at work. Right. And so let's let everybody off the hook and just say, as long as your job is using some of your strengths, as long as you're, you're enjoying the people you're working with or getting along with the people you're working with, right? Because that's, that's incredibly mm -hmm. important. Then, then yeah, we don't have to talk about purpose and fulfillment, even though some of us love to do that, right? It's not, it's not the goal for everybody. Everybody's different and, and it's important to acknowledge that. Yeah. So when you see, or, or maybe, maybe this doesn't have to be in the context of seeing patients, what are, what are two, three things that you commonly tell people to get started on this. Some people might call them hacks or, you know, but what are, what are kind of some of the things that you look at almost everybody and say, well, here are a couple of things you can do. Oh, very good question, John. I'm going to have to think about that one for just a second. Everybody, there are common themes definitely. And there are common challenges that we experience and we all kind of start in these challenges at a different place, or, or at least people come see me at a different place in that journey. That being said, yeah, I think, I think a few things, things that we can really take away from having worked with people is the first would be don't ignore your emotions. Do not ignore your emotions. Oftentimes people stay in those transition spaces or spaces of I don't know what to do when they're ignoring their emotions. I don't know what to do usually comes from mm, I kind of know what to do, but I'm, I'm afraid to face what that reality is. And that's okay. It's totally okay to hang out there for a while. But just know that your emotions are trying to tell you something. And that's where journaling, your journal, my journal, that's where those sorts of things can really be supportive tools to getting to know what's really going on for you in your inner world. What are your thoughts and your emotions trying to tell you? So that would be one half. Uh, and it's not a, a quick hack, right? It's, it's something that you learn more with practice and that becomes more natural over time. But it's definitely a hack when I think of the long term, like if there was one skill that I wish everybody would know, it would be how to tend to your emotions, right? And how to, how to integrate your emotions into your life. So that would be one. Another would be to trust your gut to really trust your instincts, trust your intuition. And that's again, where, where we're all so different, right? So, for some people, 
it's really that connection with their heart, right? My heart is telling me this, I can't ignore it. For other people, it, it can be kind of kind of logical, right? As long as it's it's not that overwhelming logic, it can come come from our system of logic, right? So really understanding how it is that your inner system, your inner guidance speaks to you and not shoving that away. A lot of those belief systems that we talked about earlier that we grew up with and that we have mm -hmm. trouble, trouble sort of integrating into our life, they are what sort of impedes our ability to listen to our to our intuition and inner guidance. And that's why it's so important to become familiar with, with what that looks like for us as individuals. Well, I suspect as you've done this uh, for a number of years, you, you realize there's no recipe, right? It's everybody is unique. And, <laughs> and like telling somebody how to be happy is probably hard to do, isn't it? Thank you for that. Yes, John. Yes. <laughs> and I, I struggle with that on, on these, these public platforms and, and social media. All, all I want to do is talk to everybody one by one. And that's my favorite thing to do because then I know you and I, I know what you need and I can tell what you need pretty quickly, but speaking to thousands or millions of people at a time, yes, it, it presents challenges because we are different. Uh, we need different things. We need to hear different things at different times. So yes, how to be happy is the question I wake up with every day. And it's, it's the question behind my articles, my books, every speaking engagement, everything. And yeah, I just hope that the, the right seeds are planted for people that the next thing they hear from somebody else like yourself or or another author that they read from can sort of help them on that journey. So you've written a book that obviously fits very well into morning rituals. You mentioned journaling already. Do you, are, are you a practicer of, of kind of getting your day started in a certain way? Yes, big time. One of my favorite ways to start the day is by moving my body without some form of exercise in the morning, I, I just, I don't feel like myself. I don't feel like myself. And I used to try to meditate first thing in the morning, but I, I am one of those really sort of embodied people. I do need to move. I need to tune into my body. And so my body let me know that, hey, like we don't want to sit here and meditate first. We want to go and move. <laughs> so I start my day with movement and then I do some sort of attending to my emotions and, and reflection of what I need that day. Yeah, my when when I had young children, we were lucky to sneak uh, any of me time in. It seemed like in in the mornings, my morning ritual has grown to about two hours now. I think because well, first off, I get up really early, but I I just keep adding things more and more to it. So, I love it. You're making up for lost time, right? I am. I am. So Sophia, tell people where they can find uh, out more about your work and obviously the Five Minute Gratitude Journal. Yeah. So if you'd like to uh, learn more about me and my work, just visit www.thehappinessdoctor.com and the five minute gratitude journal you can find on Amazon or just click on a link on my uh, webpage. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you uh, stopping by the duct tape marketing podcast and who knows, I may end up in uh, Boise, Idaho when, when airplanes start flying for me again. Thank you so much for having me, John. And yes, if you're ever in Boise, um, I would love to connect in person. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world, and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion, and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, 
serial entrepreneurs Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's going to push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you want to learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam, on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.